on to the Treasures Within podcast. I'm your host, Georgia G, success coach and multi-passionate creative. If your goal is to create a business and life from your passions, plural, this show is for you. Join me every week to learn the mindset shifts, business strategies and creative habits that empower you to fulfill your calling, master your mindset and blast through the limiting beliefs that keep you stuck and broke so you can build a thriving business from your passions and enjoy more freedom and abundance in your life. Remember, the world needs all your gifts, not just one. Hello, welcome to a new episode of the Treasures Within podcast. My guest today is Rebecca McKay Miller, the founder of Block and Rose, brand and storytelling strategist, word of mouth aficionado, champion of camaraderie over competition, and big believer that figuring shit out is an art. Rebecca works with coaches, consultants, and strategists to find the clarity and conviction needed to build wildly fulfilling brands that feel right and do good their way through feminine strategies rooted in universal truths and the power of story. In a past life, Rebecca spent five years at the helm of a words of mouth agency and 10 years rising through the marketing ranks of beauty and beverage brands. She consults for agencies, corporates, and delivers rousing educational talks for entrepreneurs. Also, she makes hats. How cool is that? In this interview, Rebecca and I talk about the power of storytelling, how to use your story to stand out in a saturated industry, why it's important to share your story even in dark times, how to do business in a more feminine way, and lots more. We cover a lot of territory in this interview. It's a fascinating conversation. So let's dive right in. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. I'm so excited to hear about storytelling and how we all can use our stories and our voices to have a positive impact in the world. But first, why don't we start by telling our listeners a bit more about you, about your own story and how you came to this work. Cool. Well, hello, and thank you so much for having me. It's um, it's wonderful to be here. So, yeah, my name is Rebecca, and I am founder of Block and Rose. Um, I'm a brand and storytelling strategist, word of mouth um, aficionado, champion of camaraderie over competition, and big believer that figuring shit out is a real art. <laughs> um, I work with female coaches, consultant strategists um, to find the clarity and conviction needed for them to build wildly fulfilling brands, businesses that feel right and do good their way. Um, And I do this through rooting it all in feminine strategies, universal truths, and of course, the power of story about my story. So I, um, about five, no, not five years ago. So so I used to, before I did what I do now, um, I worked my way up through the marketing ranks in lots of different industry so I worked in the beauty industry I worked in and food drinks industry um and most recently was managing director of the UK arm of a word of mouth agency um and in 2017 towards the end of the year um in the same week that I found out I was pregnant and we moved into a new house I was made redundant and told that I had to make my entire team redundant so it was one of those sort of moments where your head just goes um, and you don't really know what the hell <laughs> to do next. But almost because I was pregnant, because I had to get so focused on, I was so distracted by it, the fact that we'd moved house and really had to focus on kind of getting the best deals for my team and making sure that like their settlements and everything were as fair as I kind of could I just threw myself into processing like all of that stuff and didn't really give any thought to what I wanted to do um and took some time off I was fortunate that I had a really decent package um and also I was pregnant so I had a bit of a moral morality issue around going into another sort of full-time job and I'd have to then leave a few months later um and pursued lots of different things I've always I've always sort of had like a really kind of creative side over here like really hands on love making things and then really sort of like more like academic geeky vocational side of me over here 
Um, but I've always made hats, always loved making hats. And so I really threw myself into that. And I was like, well, I'm never going to, I never wanted to be employed again. So I was like, well, this is the time. I'm just going to turn this into a career. And did loads more courses. I mean, I already knew how to make hats, but I did loads of courses. I interned with a really well-known, well-respected milliner, or loads more gear, like so much. You need so much stuff when you're making hats. Um, and I hated it. It just felt really, really uncomfortable. And it felt so forced. And I hated, didn't hate not being in charge, but I hated feeling like I didn't have anything of value to offer. I was right at the bottom of the pile. There was no autonomy. And it really threw me. And then I had my daughter and slowly just kind of started figuring out what, just piecing this, together the bits of the puzzle about what I loved, what I hated, what I never wanted to do again, what I would love to do in a dream world. And sort of pieced all the different pieces together and kind of landed on this thing I was like I'm just really good at figuring things out <laughs> that's what I'm really good at doing and that's why I've been really good at making hats and stuff in the past because I can see the process and make it happen and I'm really good at helping people cut to the crux of their problems with friends or family and really good at solving briefs and helping people kind of pull out the parts of themselves that make up who they are and sort of finally landed on Block and Rose and I was like actually there is a job this is basically brand strategy and storytelling like this is and when I kind of looked back or stepped back I was like oh and this is what I've always done <laughs> like this is what I did actually in all of those past jobs it was just it wasn't the, the essence of what I did that I hated or didn't want to do again it was just the environment and the clients and the people that I was working with that I wanted to step back from but and I think now that I've kind of landed on that I'm like it just opens up so many doors like under the umbrella of like the art of just figuring shit out I could go anywhere and it feels really freeing to have kind of landed on the thing that it is that I love right now that happen, that is showing up as like my medium at the moment is brand strategy and storytelling. It doesn't need to be forever. And that's something really freeing about feeling unrestricted by that. Uh, that is a beautiful story. And I can relate to so much of what you said. I think too often we try to figure things out in our head and but it isn't until you take action and explore it that you start figuring out, okay, what do I like about this? What don't I like about that? And every time it's like, in the moment, it feels very much like you are failing because you have an idea and it doesn't work. But then when you actually look at it from a piece of curiosity, you really realize that, oh, you're actually just picking up all these pieces and putting them together. So... That, but thank you for sharing that because I think that's really important for what the passion is to hear. Just give a permission to explore and try. And then when you land it finally on uh, on your current business, on strategy, on business storytelling, was there anything that was holding you back from actually pursuing it, from starting it? And if so, how did you overcome that? Yeah, I mean, I think the reason that I started my business was because I needed a me. Like that's all I kept coming back to. I was like, I just need someone to help me figure <laughs> figure this out. I need me, but separate from me. Um, and so I think a big block at first was that I just tried to do it all on my own for a really long time. And I got there on my own, but now I know that I didn't have to, if you know what I mean. There are lots of people that I could have reached out to for support. Um, but the biggest thing for me was in my previous role, I was high up, I was senior, I was sort of, did a lot of the high level thinking and the high level strategy but I did none of the implementation like that was I'd sort of left that behind years ago and I struggled with this block that to be able to offer anything of like useless actionable and useful I would need to go back to doing a lot of that implementation stuff which I felt completely out of the loop from so I was like oh I'm gonna need to I need to learn more about social media strategy I need to understand more about like the ins and outs of like digital marketing I need to do all of these things and that really blocked me because on the one hand I had this pressure from myself over here going if you're going to be of any value to anyone you have to know how to do all of these things and on the other hand over here going I hate all these things <laughs> I don't want to do any of these things and that really kind of blocked me moving forward and putting myself out there for a long time until I kind of realized that no, you don't have to do any of those things <laughs> and it took quite a long time for me to be like oh yeah no, other people do that like other people specialize in that and that's fine so it was really and that's the beauty of the world that we operate in isn't it like there are so many incredible 
small business owners and founders and freelancers out there that specialize in really kind of specific niche things. So you're getting the absolute best of everyone every time, which means that you don't need to focus your time and energy on doing things that you don't love and someone else could do better anyway. But learning that and figuring that out for myself was took time and it really knocked my confidence for a long time um until it didn't anymore and then yeah just suddenly I was like oh yeah you're an idiot you don't need to <laughs> well thank you for sharing that and I think especially for us women that we really want to do it all it's really hard for us to actually ask for the support so thank you for talking about the power of reaching now because it's not sometimes I feel like it's sort of like a badge of honor to try to do it all yourself, but actually can hold yourself and your business forward if you force to if you force yourself to do something that is just not in your skill set, if it's just not yeah. in your uh, in your sort of genius. Yeah, um, I completely agree. And now one of my favorite things to do is invest in other women. You know, like I'm really I'm really over the idea of trying to spend my time doing something that I either don't enjoy or I just don't get. Like, there are lots of things that really don't come naturally to me. (laughs) I'm terrible with details. I'm terrible with processes and, like, lots of things that just completely, like, (laughs) my brain can't even comprehend. And so I love investing in people that can do that for me. It feels really empowering to be able to invest in myself in that way my own time but it's also amazing to know that you're supporting another woman and someone else on their own business journey in that um and so yeah I I love it now (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think you know for us uh, I think sometimes when you think about asking for help another for me another was true for me and it's true for my friends and you think about asking for help it's like you are imposing on someone else like you are bothering them and actually you're giving them the gift to help you because they get to use their gifts to help you as well and that's how we create this beautiful community and really changing the way that we do business as well yeah absolutely I completely agree it's all about like collaboration is the is the the best thing it's like the greatest thing that I think we can do and for me especially like I am I'm a massive team player. Like I really relied on the support and the soundboards and the insights and the like reassurance from having a team around me. Um, and so again, that was a real, that's something that I really struggled with working on my own. It's like, it could feel really isolating. And even though I'm fortunate, I've made an amazing network of like business friends, business buddies um, who are great, but still there's a bit of resistance to be like, oh, can I, can I reach out to them for this? And often it's because I feel like I should know the answer. <laughs> and so there's almost like a little bit of shame, isn't there, around asking for help. It's like, oh, but you know this, you can't ask for that help. And um, it takes a lot to get over that and get past it. But when you do, it's it's so rewarding. It is. And talking about shame, sometimes I feel like we are also ashamed of our own stories because you obviously work with storytelling and you know, there are, right now we live in a world where every niche is saturated. There are, it doesn't matter what you want to do, there are already people out there that are doing it. And so you feel like an imposter sometimes, that can I do it better than other people? They're, not, they're offering the same thing, the same services, maybe better than me. So what does set me apart? And usually the things set us apart are the things that we haven't accepted about ourselves and the things that we feel a bit shame about. So can you speak to that? Can you speak about how uh, we can stand out from the crowd through storytelling? And if you have this experience as well, that your clients feel a bit ashamed about their story. Yeah, shame is such an interesting word, isn't it? Because it's probably, it, the word shame is not a word that a lot of clients come to me with, even though often like that's the underlying root, root of the, their challenges. Quite often the problems that clients come to me with is that, they just don't think they've got anything remarkable. They don't know, they don't think there's anything about their story that is particularly interesting. So they don't know how to stand out in the crowd. And everything you said that then is, is bang on. Like there are millions of people that do what we do that like literally do exactly the same thing that we do and talk about it in the same way 
and make the same promises. But the one thing I always come back to with my clients is there is only one you. And the word niching gets banded around so much. And I know you have like strong opinions on, on niching. Um, for me, like you are your niche. Like you are kind of almost your niche. And if you can kind of harness and capture and convey all of you in your messaging and your story, that's how you carve your space because no, there is literally no one else that will share your experience, your perceptive, your quirks, like your sense of humor, your the way you look at things. And so it's all about capturing that. And for me, this comes down to the deep work that we, with all my clients, I start with beliefs. Like every, every single client I work with, we start with your beliefs and we go through a really deep exercise of really exploring what you fundamentally believe to be true, like what fundamentally pisses you off, what needs to be different in this world and almost start to build a narrative. And we explore things that start on a really high level around like, was that like universal truths? Like what, does, what needs to change in the world? What do you believe to be true about planet that we exist on, humanity in itself? And it sort of like almost sort of filters down to the truths about your industry or even like your niche or your audience or whatever. And what you kind of get then is like an overarching narrative that, describes rather than like what you do why you do it the way that you do because that's the thing that no one else can can steal or copy or imitate because it's built up of so many different parts of you and then from there we can from there we then start to drill into your values and and the why and the purpose behind it but we have to kind of go really deep there to kind of get to that and so for me like the experience that my clients have often is they're like I didn't even realize like I knew I believed that but I didn't even realize that I believed that or I didn't even realize that that was why I did this thing over here the way that I do and so it can be a really useful kind of like a really powerful process to kind of go through because I don't tell anyone what their what's magic about them or what's special or what their USP is almost the process that I take them through is them figuring it out for themselves I just help them give words to it um, and then in terms of how that translates into a story I mean for me storytelling isn't no one has just one story everyone has a million different stories can a story can be anything from like a little anecdote that happened at breakfast to a narrative that's run through your entire life and so the kind of the process that we go through is and it's almost part of my job is to kind of like capture everything that they say and quite often I'll be writing notes and things down that my clients have said on calls or whatever about stories that they need to tell later without them even realizing and then we come back to it but for me the stories are stories are lessons once you found your uh, your story and your values and what your business stands for and I think it's actually important for multi-passionate because when you are doing more than one thing it's really hard to market the what we can all market the, the why because that's that that's the the purpose of your business that's that's your mission that's the difference that you, the, the difference that you make and so that's what people are going to relate to but once you find that the story your, your value that you stand for as a business how do you translate that into a brand strategy i mean that's a very big question so if we're looking at storytelling i mean it starts with the beliefs and then we roll out and we explore your values and all of these will interact and then we'll look at what your why is and Purpose is a word that I have a bit of a problem with at the moment because I think it's been commoditized almost. I feel like every single person out there has or feels they have to have a really beautifully articulated purpose statement that often doesn't mean anything. Um, and so for me, when I do the work with clients, like we talk a lot about the why behind they're doing things. And you might say that it's the same thing and maybe it is. Um, but I always think there has to be like a personal why, like why you do this for you which doesn't necessarily need to have any impact on your clients at all, why you do it. And then what's the business why? So what's the impact you want to have as a, as a business or an entity? Um, and then from here, we then map that out through your vision, um, your sort of strategic milestones, and then the mission statement. And so for me, how that all kind of comes together is that your beliefs are the things that like you believe the world would be a better place if all of these things were fundamentally true or believed and acted by everyone. Your vision is what that world looks like when those things are all true. Your mission is what you do day to day to get your audience as close as you can get to 
Um, and then your values are like the guiding principles that determine how you do that. So that's how it all kind of weaves together. And from there, we begin to, we, and we always start with you. And then we look at your audience and who, who it is that you're trying to target, who it is you're trying to serve, who it is that you're creating everything for. And I'm not really interested in demographics. I don't really care what they eat for dinner or car they drive, where they live or any of that. Like I wanna know the deep kind of stuff. So from here, we really delve into like, what are the unspoken questions? What are the things that they're too scared to say out loud? What are their fears? What are their aspirations? And we go really deep on this. And often like this becomes almost like a bit of a journaling exercise rather than like different sort of specific questions. I want them to really explore and caveat. I work with clients who are established in their businesses. So they already have an idea, but we go really deep. And often where we land on is that, and, and when we get to this, like, we really get to the problems and the pain points of these clients experience and there's always different levels to it so there'll be the external problem which is probably how it's showing up in their business so for example like lack of clarity preventing you from engaging with clients not growing your business but internally there's the internal problem is how this is showing up inside so what what is it that's really causing that is it self-doubt is it lack of self-trust is it lack of conviction is it lack of interest now and from there we can really kind of piece together like almost a complex narrative because most businesses sell solutions to the external problems but clients buy solutions to internal problems and this is often the disconnect that businesses really kind of get wrong and this is where having that kind of going through the depth of the process of exploring or really getting to know your audience um is so beneficial and what we find in this process is that actually like the aspirations the wants the needs of these people like the internal ones always end up mirroring your own like the, the external problems might manifest differently and you choose which ones of those you serve and solve but the internal problems the internal aspirations really there's often a synergy and that's what you always talk to um and then in, in terms of how this then maps out through storytelling, every story has characters. So you have your hero, you have your villain, you have your guide. Um, it has the different stages of the story arc. Um, and the key thing, I guess, is figuring out where your client or your audience is on that story, is that arc, and what the different characters are. So your client will be the hero. And I'm going to talk about the hero in a little bit more detail in a minute because it's an interesting kind of topic especially like in terms of where the world is right now but essentially they're the hero and they have a problem and that problem has those different layers so it has the external layer we talked about the internal layer and then it has almost like a philosophical kind of like what if like oh if only this were true my problems would be solved you know we all have that it's like oh if only I could just do this thing like if only like the world kind of we wouldn't have problems like bad examples but we kind of map those out and then we need to explore like what's causing that problem and this is where the villain comes in and essentially like the villain needs to represent humanity and like essentially in like traditional storytelling I'm getting geeky now the villain represents like the dark side like the shadow the worst of humanity and the hero represents the good which is why we always want the good to overcome evil um in brand storytelling and business story, the block has to just be something that's really recognizable and almost could be human, but isn't necessarily. So like the villain in my, in my client story is always, they just have a block. Like it's this massive block, creative block, whatever it is, that is right in their way. And it's causing the internal, the external problems. So we identify that the business, the brand, they're the guide. They don't come until halfway through the story. <laughs> um, and when they do come in, it's to provide a plan and a way of doing things it's never to sort of like come in and save the day like we're not here to do that we're here to to support and guide and and do that and the way we do that is by demonstrating like of course that we have authority that we know our shit that we can help them but also that we empathize and empathy is the most important part of this and once we kind of can demonstrate that that's when we then build trust and all of this comes from going through that brand strategy process at the beginning and looking at where you share those similarities, you share those aspirations, you un really understand how they feel and mapping that out through the story. Um, 
and I want to touch on this notion of like the hero. So kind of essentially what I just talked through there is a very loose version of the hero's journey, which is one of the, the most commonly recognized story plots, especially in like business storytelling. And yeah, there's an interesting kind of discussion or thought at the moment around whether or not we still need heroes. And actually in this sort of world that we live in, especially in the last two years where individual and kind of human struggles have come to the fore so prominently and so powerfully, like, do we need to have a hero in our stories? Um, and I don't necessarily know the answer and I've read sort of lots of conflicting thoughts on this. Um, but I think where I'm kind of landing is that a hero doesn't need to swim in, like fly in, in like a cape <laughs> and sort of save the day. I think modern heroes really are the ones that convey empathy and really meet people where they're at and offer that support at just the right time and almost have that kind of like intuitive sort of knowledge of what someone needs at that moment in time and supports or provides that in that moment. Um, and I think this is where storytelling can become so powerful because it doesn't, your stories don't need to have a happy ending. They just need to really demonstrate that you, you get it and ensure that your audience feel seen and feel heard and feel understood. Because ultimately as humans, that's all we, that's all we want, isn't it? Now, everything you said just resonates so much. And with this notion of the hero, sometimes I think that, you know, we all think that we need to do these grand gestures to help people, but even just the soft skills of empathy or compassion or listening, like really listening to someone, it can make such a big difference. And at the time that we are recording this, we are still in a global pandemic. There are so many countries that are on lockdown. The war in Ukraine has just started. And it can feel very overwhelming. It can feel like sharing your story at this time. It can feel a bit shallow, a bit like it's not, like you can feel guilty of talking about yourself and sharing your story with, with, your, with your audience at a time when what is going on. So can you speak to that? And do you think it's still important for us to keep telling our stories even in dark times like this? The short answer is yes, and I'm going to give it some context. So we think back to what storytelling is. is. So storytelling is probably the greatest tool humanity has ever created, developed, because it's what enabled us to evolve and develop as a species. We use storytelling to pass our knowledge, pass our learnings, pass our expertise like onto the next generation so that they could continue to thrive and then they did the same and they did the same. And this is this is how storytelling exists. This is how humanity has kind of grown us, how our species has survived so long. Um, and so what storytelling does is create cultures. Storytelling is the narratives that we have used to create the cultures in which we exist. And if we're saying that that is true, then surely it's storytelling that we need to rewrite the narratives that are no longer serving us. And if you kind of set the pandemic in Ukraine aside for a while, if you think of cultural narratives that we've already always lived by, and you think many that are outdated now and many that are being rightly dismantled, you look at gender, you look at race, for example, those narratives are being dismantled and new ones are being written. And we're in a period of time where there's confusion and uncertainty because those new narratives haven't taken hold yet. But we are using those stories and we're using individual stories, individual lived experiences to reframe those narratives and reshape those narratives. And that's impacting our culture. So it's never been more important, I think, to ensure that our stories are told in that respect, specifically in relation to, to everything that's been going on in the world in the last year, two years, week, <laughs> even. Um, yeah, it's heavy. Like the world is heavy and there is awful things happening in Europe, in Ukraine. Um, but I think what we all need is hope. And I think you mentioned this earlier, like what we need more than anything is hope. What we need more than anything is to move onwards and move onwards from a place of goodness and towards goodness. And we share an audience. And I think 
certainly mine and I'm sure yours, the majority of our audiences, we're not starting businesses on a purely selfish and self-serving basis. We're starting businesses because we want to create impact and leave a legacy that is good. We want to leave the world in a better place than when we joined it in our own small way. Um, and that can't stop. And, you know, the stories that we are telling are innately stories of good. Um, so I think it's important to, to keep telling them. And on a practical level, our businesses still need to continue. You know, we have bills to play, we have mouths to feed, we have clients to serve. Um, we need to kind of move onwards, but I guess the important thing is to do place for, do so from a place of real compassion and real empathy and just trust yourself. And for me, the most important thing is to use your voice if you want to and if it feels right and for the right causes. And so for here, what I've been saying to my clients is go back to your beliefs, like go back to your values. Like what is the core of your business? What's the core of your business message? Does it have a place speaking up here? Is what you're saying or what you want to say really serving your audience? Because ultimately your content is there to serve your audience and to support your audience and to add to your audience. So if that means sharing resources and it means sharing ways to support, then, then that's great. If what your audience needs is, is something else from you, then it's fine to share that too. I think it's about just making sure that everything that you're doing is from a place of kind of authenticity. And, and if it doesn't feel comfortable to use your voice or to apply your voice to a certain situation, then don't, like it's not, you don't get points for showing up and saying something just for the sake of saying something. If it doesn't feel right, then don't do it. And that's absolutely fine. I would say just, yeah, don't feel pressured to speak up on something just because there's so much noise out there because the last thing the world needs at the moment is more noise. And so just make sure that if you're sharing something, it feels really good to you and comfortable to you and that you're doing so from a place of authenticity and that what you're putting out there is serving your audience first and foremost, because that's, yeah, that's what the platforms that we have from a business point of view are there for. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think you know, sometimes, again, we, we think in a, um, thinking it must be like, I either have to uh, support cause or I can sell when actually as a business you it, it's all service good business comes from a place of service that you're supporting the cause that you believe in you're supporting your clients and it's all about again understanding the difference that you want to make and how you can use your platform and your voice and your gifts to mm. make the difference and especially at times like this I think there has never been more needs of people using their voices and their platform and their talents to serve in whatever way you are called to serve, whatever your gifts are, whatever your talents are, we need more people showing up and being authentically themselves and really just mm. help each other. Because even though you're doing it from a business perspective and you are making money, doesn't mean that you are not helping anyone. On the contrary, I mm. think that the more you know, the, the, the more your business is successful, then the more you can give back. And I know that you have so many initiatives in your business where you are planning to, to give back. Your goal is to become climate positive and donate a profit from yourself to some charities like Three Sisters and Finishing Future, supporting female and for profit. So there, are, there is so much that we can actually do when we own our business and we don't shy away from selling and serving. Absolutely. If your business isn't making money, then you can't give any of that money back or you can't use any of that money for good. And ultimately, like that is. That's a real driver for me. I hate selling it, selling, selling feels icky and all of those things. It can feel so self-serving. But if you kind of step back and again, I go back to your beliefs. Like, what do you believe to be true? I support Tree Sisters and I support Vanishing Futures and offer to support a female owned, female led not for profit each year for free because I fundamentally believe that we need to rebalance the weighting of masculine and feminine energy in the world and that the disregard and the devaluing of femininity and I don't mean that in a gendered way but feminine energy is the root cause of most of the world's problems so everything I can do with Buck and Rose I want that to be the legacy to be like everyone can do brand strategy everyone can 
not everyone, lots of people are able to write a story, but it's the meaning and the why behind that that is what keeps me going. And I think that's in, in these instances and in times when the world does feel so heavy and it can, you can feel so unsure of what to say or even to, how to carry on, going back to, to the why behind why you're doing it and trusting and, and knowing that there's good. It's in, like we're innately good people and the world needs more good. That is what should, well, that should be enough to reassure you that carrying on is and moving onwards is the right thing to do. Yes, and I love what you said that about, I mean, I agree with that, with you, the most problems are caused by this imbalance of masculine energy and, and the valuing of feminine energy. And, you know, I, I am like, I see, I mean, there, there is a piece for both, right? It's not about masculine versus feminine, but it's about 100%. how to balance those energy. And like in every in every area in life, when there is an imbalance, a strong imbalance, you're going to have some issues. And I know you're very passionate about helping women with their business storytelling using strategies that are more feminine, more heart-centered. So mm-hmm. can you talk about what it means for you to do business in a more feminine way? And how do you have your clients do that? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, for me, it's two things. So it's about businesses that that do good. And that doesn't need to be, it can be doing good in any way. It can be doing good by supporting that people do good. It can be doing good by donating to charity. It can do good by planting trees you know like there's there's lots of different 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 definitions of the word good but almost more importantly it's about doing it in a way that feels really right and so many of my clients like me have come from a corporate background where we're conditioned and we're trained that there is a way of doing things and it's to hustle and it's to win and it's to to do this at all costs and wherever that cost lies because there's always lots of different places that cost can can show up so it's all about really stripping back the shoulds and exploring the what ifs and so the way I work with my clients is very intuitive we go very deep we ebb we flow and this is underpinned massively by a lot of structure one of my values is rigor because because of that balance that we need you know like we can't just sort of live up here in this kind of like very very feminine sort of space where we just flow you have to have the rigor underneath to kind of make shit shit happen but for me it's just about yeah breaking free of all of the shoulds really getting to know what works for that person really looking at the impact and the legacy that they want to create and have and then looking at how we can weave that through every single part of their business and their brand to ensure that every element of their story and everything that they're putting out there conveys exactly that so yeah it's twofold it's about being true to themselves it's about breaking down the conditioning that has said they have to do things a certain way and um making sure that how they do good is directly correlated back to what they innately believe to be true so that it's just really authentic and of course the obvious things like leading with them with empathy and compassion and you know all those other wonderful traits that we share <laughs> but it's not gen it's not a gendered thing at all absolutely we all have the capacity for kindness for compassion to be more loving it's just that these qualities have been sort of labeled feminine and yeah. so I think the feminine label has been undervalued and yeah. so but I'm seeing a shift because there are of course so many loving compassionate kind men in the world and of course of course <laughs> that are making a big difference as well. So I, I am seeing a, a change there, men and women making a change together to, again, to restore the imbalance and having that rigor, that decisiveness that is very masculine, but balanced with the kindness and compassion of the, femi- or, or the feminine. Yeah, agree. Definitely agree. So I want to switch gears a little, and I would like to ask you, in the last three years, what habit or belief has improved your life the most? What habits? Habit or belief, yes. Habits or beliefs. Um, so so <laughs> habits or beliefs. So I guess beliefs are, I mean, the one I just said, the recognition about wanting to rebalance and that actually that being the heart of what I 
the heart of what I do and the heart of what drives me is a huge one. And that came about. So I started working with a wonderful woman, a somatic and psychotherapist, somatic practitioner and psychotherapist called Claire Diane back in 2020. We did a lot of work on connecting back to myself, back to my values, um, and who I really was, because I was definitely feeling lost. And while I was kind of on that journey and really deep in that process, we went to Scotland and spent a couple of weeks in the, in the highlands with a camper van. And I've never felt so connected back to a place. Like the connection that I felt to the Highlands was visible. And I am, and my surname is Mackay, I have Scottish heritage. We had, we did a little tour of all the buildings that have got the word Mackay on them that my family used to own or whatever. So I, I knew that I had that sort of heritage. There was the connection to the land that I felt there was visceral. And things just sort of seemed to happen at once where everything kind of connected. And I was like, you know what? There's a real imbalance in everything. And yeah, so I had that kind of realization and almost that's where this rebalancing really came from. I was like, and this is what I want to build into my business. And this is why the charities that I support are largely environmental. So I believe that we have this responsibility. We need to not just sort of like say, we need to nurture, we protect, restore. Um, so that's one of them. And I guess the, the rituals, I prefer the word ritual to habits is getting up before everyone else every morning and getting outside whether it's light or dark and just sort of spending 10 minutes 15 minutes or so moving and that can be really gentle stretching it can be really gentle whatever um it could be just I don't know, rolling my shoulders it could be yoga but just sort of having those 10 minutes to really kind of ground and get outside and following that with a sort of 10 or 15 minute meditation I honestly think that has done so done me so much good and changed my life. And I notice on the days, like I really struggle in winter to get up when it's dark. I'm not a, my circadian rhythm does not <laughs> work that way. But if I don't do it, I really, really feel it in terms of productivity and energy levels. So yeah, for me, it is the recognition, I guess. Yes, for me, it's just the importance of connecting back to myself, but also doing that in a way that, connects me back to nature like getting outside feeling the cold air hearing the wind getting that sunlight on my face first like that's the first thing that I do in the day that's yeah that's amazing and it's hard sometimes because I've got a three-year-old she gets up early <laughs> so it doesn't always work out but um when it does it's magic yeah, there is something really soothing about being in nature and the way that it just calms you down and centers you. I experienced the same thing. So that's definitely can endorse that. One question that I ask everyone on the show is what's one way that multi-passionate can start building a business and life around their passions? I would say just get curious and just start exploring and I would say do these things at the same time but separately and what you'll probably start to realize is that they'll interflow and intersect and overlap and that the different passions might take on different forms so for me like I love millinery I love making hats I haven't done anything for three years not properly because like you need kit and there are pins and there is heat and there is all sorts of things that are not compatible with having a small child <laughs> at all. So I channel that creativity in different ways and it shows up in my business. Like I've become much more creative with my writing and I write pleasure now as way more than I did before. And almost like it, that's now become a part of my business. And actually that's a big part of where I see my business going I don't know what that looks like yet and that's fine but I want writing in some form to be a big part of my future and I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't just started sort of doing it if that makes sense that and I would also say just notice really be intentional with noticing where those intersections exist and look at how they can not weave together in terms of like combining into a single offering or whatever but just look at how you can create those synergies which make it a more fluid existence to kind of have all these different interests and passions at the same time 
That's a beautiful answer. And I agree that sometimes we wouldn't be able to figure it out. But actually, you don't figure it out until you start. So definitely yeah. follow that curiosity. Is there anything else you'd like to mention before we wrap up? I mean, we've covered so much already. And I think um, I would also just say, like, the last thing is that everyone always talks about life being really short. So just do it. Just do the thing. But I also think life's really long. Like, we've got so many years ahead of us. And the thing that you're doing right now probably won't be the thing that you're doing forever. And so you have time to play and get curious and just take your time with things. Because actually, if something is feeling a little bit, if you're feeling resistance to something now, it might just mean it's not the right time. It might not mean, it probably doesn't mean, or it might not mean it's wrong. So just kind of stay curious and stay playful and trust that when the time is right, things will fall into place. Oh, that's a beautiful place to end is. Uh, thanks so much for giving so much value and sharing your experience. And anyone who is interested in knowing more about you or working with you, where can they find you? Um, so my website is uh, blockandrose.com and my Instagram handle is at blockandrose. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, so yeah, drop me an email or a DM on Instagram and I'd love to chat. Oh, perfect. And as always, we're going to put all the links to uh, your website, your Instagram and anything that we mentioned in the show notes for people to easily find you. Thank you so much for taking the time. This has been an incredible conversation and I really appreciate you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved it. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as Rebecca and I have. Storytelling is very powerful and can change your business and can even change culture and create a positive change in the world when done right. If anything we discussed resonates with you, I will appreciate it if you could share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, leave a rating or a review. Every little bit helps the podcast get found by other passionate and female entrepreneurs who need to hear this message too. As always, everything we mentioned in this episode, including links to Rebecca's platforms, are in the show notes below this episode and over at the website The Treasures Within the Net. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate your support so much and look forward to talking with you again next week. And remember, the world needs all your gifts, not just one. Bye. Georgia here. I want to take a quick moment to tell you something. A few years ago, I was stuck in what I call strategy hell. I was literally doing everything to grow my business. I was on all the social media platforms, doing webinars, going to networking events, writing blog posts, sending out newsletters, you name it, I did it. And my business was growing at a snail's pace. It was so frustrating because I couldn't have worked any harder. I was already overwhelmed and burned out. Do you ever feel like that? It wasn't until a random encounter with a coach that I realized being in strategy hell is a form of self-sabotage. You think you're doing everything to grow your business. In reality, you're stuck in busy work because you're afraid of what might happen if you went all in or reached your goals. In my case, I had a massive fear that if I became more successful than my family, my friends, and my partner, they wouldn't love me anymore and they leave me. This fear was buried so deep in my subconscious that I wasn't aware of it until I had a powerful session with my coach. And yet, the fear was running my business and making sure I'd never reached my goal. It was only once I healed the fear that I was able to double my income in a few short months. And my loved one didn't leave me. If you too are working hard, trying all these strategies to go to the next level in your business, you don't need one more strategy. You already have all the strategies you need. If nothing is working, it's because there's a limiting belief 
the sabotaging all your efforts. Maybe like me, you're afraid that if you are too successful, you won't fit in with your friends and family anymore and you lose them. Maybe you don't think you are good enough at what you do and they're afraid that if you put yourself out there in a big way, you'll be exposed as a fraud. Or maybe, deep down, you don't believe you're worthy of money and success. Whatever it is, trying to grow a business with these limiting beliefs running in your subconscious is like driving a car with a brake on. No matter how hard you try, you're going to stay stuck where you are. If you want to go to the next level in your business and reach those big income and business goals that have eluded you up until now, you must first heal all those limiting beliefs and all stories that are sabotaging you. Once those self-imposed limitations melt away, you'll be able to step out of strategy hell and confidently take action towards your goals. Those tasks that used to feel hard or scary, like going live on Instagram, doing sales calls, or being a regular guest on podcasts, will now feel easy and fun and you'll be able to reach your goals with ease. If you know, deep down, that healing those limiting beliefs and old stories is the missing piece in getting the results and money you want in your business and you are ready to drop the hustle and step into your six figures mindset, I invite you to book a discovery call with me. On the call, you get coaching on the number one limiting belief, the sabotaging your success and keeping you from reaching your next income level. And if we both feel it's a fit, you'll discover how we can work together to heal the limiting beliefs that are sabotaging you, so you can finally build a wildly profitable business from your passions and enjoy financial location and time freedom. Remember, the world needs all of your treasures. It's your time to get out of your own way so you can do the work you are meant to do in the world and live a life of freedom on your own terms. These one-on-one calls are limited, so if you are ready to finally make your vision board become your reality, click on the link in the show notes and book in today.